Does anybody know what the series is about? Let's see. Anger. Anger and anxiety. That's right. Can anybody relate to those two things? Just the pastor. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, who doesn't? Yeah. Um, so what I want to do is we're going to talk about this and, and we're going to go for a few weeks on anger and then we'll follow up with the anxiety part. But the main idea that we want to be able to, to grab a hold of through this series is that there is a godly way to deal with those things. And so we want to find out what does God's word say about anger and about anxiety. So we're going to spend a little bit of time doing that. Now, let me just say something. I, I have some experience with anger. Carly has a real anger. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I grew, I grew up in a home, and uh, I've shared parts of my story. But my dad was, and I don't want to dishonor him. I love my dad dearly. He's passed away 17 years now. Um, did so many great things. But he had a severe anger problem. He was a, uh, he was a violently angry man. Uh, to the, and I'm kind of glad my mom's not here because I don't want to run her through all that again. But uh, to, the, to the point to where things got physical in our home, he was a man not only that I feared, but that every other man, I did not know a man, and I knew some bad dudes, they all feared my dad. He was a crazy, when he got mad, he got crazy. I mean, I, I saw him, I won't even go into details, but a very angry, angry man. And so just by experience, I've been around some anger. And as we'll continue to talk about, anger is often also learned. So I picked up some of that. Praise God, not quite to the degree, but I, I remember on our honeymoon, so Carly thinks she's married this godly, awesome guy. And a couple of days into it, we're driving down the one. We, we did was we, uh, we got married in Oregon and we were going to drive down the one, down the Pacific Coast Highway and uh, camp along the way. If you've ever been on that road, there's a lot of bicyclists and a lot of cars and a lot of, it's very windy roads. It's beautiful, one lane each way. And instead of enjoying all that, I was driving like some kind of maniac, running up on people, doing the thing, trying to, you know, freak people out. And what it did was it scared her half to death. She was thinking, who have I married? I've married a madman. Um, and, and through the years, God has given me a lot of freedom from anger. And uh, I, I feel like I'm one of those people that have, uh, God's given a lot of freedom, but my tendency is sinful anger. So I'm ashamed to say that I have dealt with what we'll call maniac anger. We'll talk more about that. And I've also dealt with some other types of anger. So I come to you as somebody who's experienced a lot of freedom in this area. Uh, God, now one of the reasons uh, we'll, we'll continue to talk about is I feel like now God's wanting me to deal with some of my anxiety or stress. I, I, I didn't really think I was a stressed person and I'm coming to understand I have a lot of low grade stress. In other words, it's just kind of this low hum in the background. Um, and God's word gives us answers. So I just want to let you know a little bit. I'm not coming uh, at you guys with this as if I'm an expert, but I am coming at you guys with the hope of Jesus Christ that I have been given freedom and I expect and hope and pray that I will continue to be given more freedom in this area. 
And if that stuff freaks you out about me as a pastor, I do apologize, but I also feel like it's stupid for me to be a liar up here and not real with you. So uh, that's, that's just the reality of it. And probably if we went around the room, we'd have some similar stories too. It's probably not just me, I hope. Um, so let me ask you, what happens, let's just say our mind, what happens in our mind when we are angry or stressed out? What are some kind of general things that happen? And it might be either or both. What kind of happens? What kind of thoughts? What goes on in your mind? Sorry, Jerry? Yeah, okay. God is pushed to the background. Rochelle? Okay, can't think straight. Focused on one thing. That was one of the phrases that came to my mind was obsessive thoughts. Whether you're angry or anxious, it's obsessive thoughts. What else happens in the mind? Yeah, we're going to get to that today. It's all about me, right? And kind of like Jerry was saying, God, God's not even in the picture at that point. Why are people treating me like this? Why do I have to endure this? Good. Any other thoughts? I get angry at myself a lot. Okay. Angry at ourself. And that has a lot of the same, a lot of the same things happen. Obsessive uh, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Maybe not tonight, but this week. Thank you. Untruths. We believe lies, don't we? Yeah. Visualizations, right? If, whether it's anger. I gave you some evil uh, things that went on in my mind. Sinful, murderous, evil thoughts. You visualize things. And if it's anxiety, maybe you're picturing things that will never, ever, ever happen to you. But you're picturing the worst. And you live there, and you live there, and you live there obsessively, right, Diana? Okay, feel like the weight is on our shoulders, whether it's ang anger or anxiety. Anger, we got to take care of this. Anxiety, we got to take care of this our way. Yeah, yeah. And, and bottom line, I think that's what it all boils down to. But we'll we'll get there. Thank you. Okay, what kind of physical responses do we experience when we're stressed or angry? Some of you, if you don't want to share, you can, if you, if you don't want to share for you, you can tell, tell us what you think your neighbor deals yeah. with. If you're too embarrassed, tense shoulders. She's trying to name all my stuff. <laughs> Exhaustion. Yep. What? Yep, they call that your sympathetic nerve systems, like on high alert all the time, as if you're being chased by a tiger, right? Instead of like, what else happens in your body? It's true. You become, yeah, isolation. Good. I mean, not good for isolation, but good, good response. Any other thoughts? All right, let me, what are some common things that cause us to be angry? You or somebody you know? Injustice. Bad drivers. Everything. That's, I know, that's what, yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Rob. I knew Arlene was thinking that. A lack of control, we're going to talk about that. That's, yeah. Control is a big part of this. What else? Any other thoughts? What what makes us angry? Are people you know angry? Fear. Fear. We talk about that. Yeah, criticism. Okay. I think when you have like an expectation of something and it's 
hang you guys are on this this is all what we're gonna a lot of what we're gonna cover today yeah so those those are great answers and they're all they're all true um what are some common things that cause us to be anxious we just named quite a few that that again you can see why we're kind of pairing these two traits up anger and anxiety what else might cause us to be anxious unknowns yep the future might cause us to be anxious yeah the things we can't control. So let me just ask you to consider this as we go through. What do you struggle with more, anger or anxiety? You don't have to answer that out loud, but what do you struggle with more? And if you're like, I'm not sure, I don't really struggle much with either. Maybe you'll kind of, some things will come to light or uh, it's definitely this one. I don't even struggle with the other. Maybe something will come to light. So just, I want to encourage you guys to open your hearts up to the Holy Spirit that he would use this uh, series to maybe take care of some issues that are hindering your walk with God and your connection and fellowship and enjoyment of God and your sanctification. What does sanctification mean? The process of becoming more Christ-like. So anger and anxiety hinder our process of becoming more Christ-like if we don't handle them correctly. So a couple of things, and another reason we paired is you could tell there's a lot of connections here. Our modern words for anger and anxious both come from this really old root word, ang, which means tight, painful, constricted. Can you kind of relate to that on anger and anxiety? Tight, painful, constricted. It's the, it's the root word of some of these, anger, angina. What is angina? Chest pains, right? It's like <laughs> panic attacks, chest pains, heart attacks. All, all of those things, there's that angina, there's this like constricting, uh, angst, anguish, and anxious. All those come from that same word. And that is kind of the experience we have with anger. Healthline.com, and the reason I put this in here is not because Healthline is inspired by God, but by e even uh, some of what uh, Paul was saying, even the world gets that anger and anxiety not handled properly is bad for you. Anger and anxiety are closely related because they're both normal responses to perceived, I would say perceived or real threats. They help us survive dangerous situations. These two emotions spark similar hormonal surges, kind of what Paul was talking about in the body. And they also share similar psychological triggers, just like we talked about what goes on in the mind, what goes on in the body, anger, anxiety, very similar. Here's a couple resources that may be helpful. Um, I went through Overcoming Emotions That Destroy years ago. I have that on uh, audio. You can get it on Audible. It's like a four-hour series, and it, it's helpful. I, I feel like it, it's helpful to use. And then there's a book, uh, Anger and Stress Management, God's Way by Wayne A. Mack. And uh, so if you're looking for some extra resources, extra reading material, I would encourage you to check these out. Okay, thank you. So understanding anger. Today, what we're going to talk about is just understanding, kind of getting us, taking a big step back, a general view of anger. What is it? It's always important to start with definitions. It's a strong emotional reaction of displeasure. I'm going to get to this. So one, it's an emotional reaction, or I would like the word response, right? So there's something that happens, a trigger or an event or an incident, and then we have this emotional response that happens. And it's not pleasurable, 
it's displeasurable, if that's a word. So that's what anger is. And so just by realizing that and beginning to understand that, that gives us a little bit of an understanding that God can give us victory over this. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to be a slave to it. It's a response. It's an emotional response. I like to call it <clears throat> a dash light. Anger and anxiety are dash lights. Are dash lights on your vehicle bad? No, they're good. But you can handle dash light in a good way or a bad way. Your dash light can go off and you can do a couple things. You can go, whoa, I better pull over and check this out. I better get my car to the mechanic. You might start pounding your fist at the dash going, darn dash light, this vehicle. The dash light itself is not the problem. It's how do you handle it when this dash light goes off. And so anger and anxiety or dash lights in our life, check engine light, that something's wrong. And so if we can begin to see it like that and go, something's wrong, and it may be something with me, it may be something with my thinking, it may be something with the world, it may be something bad that's going on, but it's a dash light. And so learning how to handle that dash light in a godly, righteous way is kind of the key to having victory in this area. Not necessarily saying, I don't want to feel anger or anxiety anymore. Well, good luck. The reality is God's wired you with those dash lights for a reason. Does that make sense? Um, so often what it does is it leads to plans for or acts of revenge or punishment. So you kind of start thinking about that. And maybe it's not a plan of revenge like I'm going to go burn their house down. But maybe it's a plan of revenge like I'm done talking to them. Not, I'm not talking to them again, right? Or maybe it's thoughts of hurting yourself. Maybe it's, uh, you know, you actually carry out this act of revenge or punishment. But rightly handled, that dash light goes off. And what it does is it leads to a righteous response to wrongdoing. I'll give you an example, and here's a good acronym for it. Uh, and I think uh, Chip Ingram gives this example, and I like it. Most of you have heard of, of MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. What's the story of those women? They've lost somebody to drunk driving, and they are mad. And so what they've done is they've come together and tried to go, they go to schools, they've done different things to try and stop drunk driving. So they had this incident that happened they became angry about it, angry enough to do something righteous to try and stop this. So do you see kind of the difference here of how we can handle that dash light that goes off? We have opportunities for a righteous response or an unrighteous response. Unrighteous response is I'm angry and I react or act with anger. Whether it's something simple, my kid almost gets hit by a car. I yank him by the arm. How many times have I told you? You little idiot. Or we go after the driver, you know, throw our purse or our whatever uh, cell phone at the, the people, whatever that is. We have this thing that happens and we have a, a reaction that's either godly or ungodly instead of going like, that was a really close call. I need to talk to you. This is why I keep telling you it's so important to keep your head up in the parking lot. Bop, 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 bop. See the difference? Kind of, kind of not. Let's see. So ungodly or unrighteous anger is a sin against God. And 
is harmful to ourselves and others. This is kind of the point I want to make today. The biggest point I hope that we can grab a hold of today is that really mishandling anger disrupts a right relationship with God. It's a sin against God. In Psalm 51, David said, my sin is against you and you only, O Lord. And so the idea here is, first and foremost, we need to see, not excuse wrong-handled anger, not blame others for our anger, not blame society for our anger, not blame our parents for our anger. Even if you learned those things growing up, it's now time for us to take responsibility for our own walk with God and say, this is a sin against God when I handle these situations wrong. When the dash light goes off and I handle it wrong, I'm, I'm offending God. It's a thing between my relationship, between me and God. And not only that, it does harm others and myself, right? I mean, how many of us have had relationships ruined, destroyed, troubled because of anger issues, how someone's handled anger? Maybe it's not explosive anger. Maybe it's what we'll talk about later, crockpot anger, and someone just slow, steady boil, just constantly turning off their heart, hardening their heart towards somebody, manipulating or whatever that might be. Um, I mean, if you just think about it, whether you're, you're yelling at your kid and exploding at your kid, uh, whether you're flipping off some other driver, whether you're giving someone the silent treatment, you're having these evil thoughts, it's all really ultimately sin against God. It is harming those other people, but all that is ultimately sin against God. And that's where we want to start in solving an anger problem is realizing that really it's about what's going on in here and here. And then we work out the details here. Any questions or thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, and God, let me just kind of, spoiler alert here on this, is that uh, God does forgive the, the wrong ways we've handled anger or handle anger. There is forgiveness. There is healing. There is restoration. Sometimes we can't restore the relationships as much as we would like to. But there can always be restoration here between us and God. Yeah, it's, I mean, if you want to just kind of put some other kind of terminology on it, it's kind of like retraining our brain and our heart to see things through God's eyes. And so that is a process. That's a discipline. That's probably not going to happen the first time. Sometimes God miraculously gives freedom uh, and, and healing and, and changes. And sometimes he does it through the slow, steady process of obedience and we begin to go, wow, I blew up there, man. That was jerky. Or wow, I've been harboring bitterness. I didn't even really consider that as sin against God. I, that person did wrong me. And then we begin to go, okay, what happens is, boom. And, and I'll, we'll say this with a maniac anger. What happens with maniac anger is usually <laughs> explosive anger. And then the people feel horrible, legitimately horrible. My dad would feel legitimately horrible. If you've been one of those explosive people, I've been one of those, you feel horrible and you just want to take it all back. You want to erase it. You don't even want to think about it. But what happens is we go through this process kind of to answer your question is boom. And then you have that horrible feeling and you go back and you begin to rethink that you deal with God with it. And then you begin to next time it happens and maybe it's a little quicker. You feel guilty about it. 
And maybe next time it's a little quicker, you feel guilty and deal with God about it. And then maybe the next time, or whether it's uh, thoughts about angry at yourself. So maybe it's like two hours later, you're like, whoa, this is, I shouldn't be doing this. This isn't what God wants. And then pretty soon as you begin to do that and walk obediently, you begin to catch it before anything even comes out. And it's just while the feelings are stirring, you're like, I'm about to blow here. And there's even passages in Proverbs that talks about don't let the water out because as soon as you start letting the water out, it flows. So we begin to learn how to do that. Make sense? Does that kind of answer your question? So, um, so here's just some of what God's word has to say. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. It's really hard to be uh, listening and quick to listen and slow to speak when you are angry. Slow to get angry. But here's the point. Human anger or man's way of handling anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So our way of handling anger does not equate to God's righteousness. There is a righteous way. Our own way is not the righteous way. A couple other verses. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. This describes an angry person, doesn't it? Maybe it's just bitterness, crockpot anger, rage, harsh words, slander. Maybe it's like all of a sudden you're going to start talking about it. Well, they're a jerk, man. I don't know about what you think about but now you see yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. This doesn't specifically talk about anger, but I believe that at the heart of this issue is a self-control issue. And I say self-control because that's a fruit of the spirit. And when I say self-control, I mean spirit control. And if we can have the spirit control us when that dash light goes off, we will begin to have victory. If we don't and we handle it ourselves, our way, and we have no control, what ends up happening is we end up sinning against God. Proverbs 22, 24 and 25. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Like I said, anger is contagious, isn't it? And, and I'll, I'll make this point here um, as we continue to go through. The reality is, uh, maybe I'll make this point in a minute, but let me just kind of say it. Sinful anger are, I'm doing my big air quotes again, coping mechanisms. And what that is, is it's a fleshly sinful way that we've learned how to deal with things. But it doesn't mean it's a good thing. So we're going to talk about some different ways that we deal with anger and what they would be would be like our coping mechanism, our sinful, fleshy way that we learned and grew up to do things. And some of them were good for some of us. And so that's when we picked, you know what? People back off. People leave me alone when I explode. Somebody else is, I'm worried about my reputation. I don't want to look like a jerk. I don't want to look like an idiot. I want to keep everybody happy. So I just low simmer over here and I take it out on myself or I take it out on this situation or these substitute people that don't deserve it i get mad at work and my boss is such a jerk and i should be confronting him in a godly way but instead i'm going to go home and take it out of my wife and kid kick the toys out of the living room when i'm like why can't we keep this house straight right and so you have your own coping mechanisms and you've learned how to deal with it your own way so spoiler alert and we're again we're just this is kind of an intro 
ungodly or unrighteous anger is destructive. It's always destructive. It's harmful to our relationship with God. It's harmful to our relationship with others. It's harmful to ourselves. But godly or righteous anger is constructive. I'll say this. It's controlled. We'll get to this next week because I'm not going to get to everything today. It's controlled. Godly anger is controlled and constructive. Mothers against drunk driving, they're not going out and going vigilante. There's a controlled and it's constructive. Make sense? So here's some wrong anger. I'm going to give four characterizations. Uh, again, these are coping mechanisms, sinful ways of handling this. Uh, it's probably something that you learned and what worked best for you. Also, there's kind of a disclaimer here is you probably tend to act out more than one of these ways or it's this blend. They kind of all overlap a little bit. You might change it up depending on what circumstance you're in or what stage of life you're in. You might have been able to be the big tough guy that could cuss somebody out on the job site. And you get older and feebler, it's like, yeah, I can't do that anymore. I'm going to get creamed, man. I can't say, I can't be that guy. So you take some alternative route. And so there's these over, uh, overlap. And sometimes one anger incident or trigger or whatever makes us angry, we may handle a multiple of these ways. We may kind of layer it up. So the guys we're going to be looking at is the maniac. I'll go through them quick and then we'll describe them. The maniac anger. These are my own deal of different things I've studied and I kind of made up these guys, but I think it summarizes them. You can imagine what he's like. The moper, he's saying mumble, mumble there. The monitor, that's one more. This is the list keeper, right? I thought we talked about it. I thought that we cleared that up. You always remember last week I told you. The mole, what I'm picturing here is the whack-a-mole. You guys ever played the whack-a-mole game? It used to be a Peter Piper and stuff. They probably don't even have it there anymore. But the mole is kind of like, I'm not angry. I'm not, what do you mean, anger? And then all of a sudden, they're flipping out or they're talking bad about somebody. So that's kind of the mole. So you have, let's just go through them here. I kind of boiled it down into two categories. And let me just say something about that, this. None of these are better than the other. It's not like, the moper's kind of cute. Like, that's cute anger. So that's okay. They're all sinful and they're all against God. That's the point of today. If you're like, a oh, mole, moles are cute. And they're not really, but none of this is cute. You got your flamethrower anger. Or as I've heard Ned say about different people, like, wow, that person went scorched earth. It's kind of like flamethrower anger or crockpot anger. And so you can begin to go like, oh, yeah, I'm a crockpot guy. I'm a crockpot gal. I kind of mix it up, and I think we all honestly kind of mix these up depending on the situation that people we're dealing with and whatnot. So the maniac is characterized by violent outburst, physical or verbal, rage and or losing control. This might be in your own bedroom, smashing things, breaking the tapes. I was picturing somebody, I can't remember who, it wasn't Carly getting mad. I don't think it was you breaking cassette tapes. Like they're just like, ah, what happened to this? Oh, I got mad. <laughs> so it could just any kind of losing control, right? Now, a biblical example of this would be Cain, Genesis four, four through eight. 
or six three. He says, "Why are you so angry?" So this is the Lord asking Cain. So God accepted his brother Abel's sacrifice, but said, "Cain, I, I don't accept your sacrifice." Cain. Cain started pouting, which is a little bit of mopey, so we can see there's some overlap here. But then what happens? The Lord asked him, "Why do you look so dejected?" So, but he's angry. He's angry, but he looks dejected. You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Catch that. Control you. Isn't that what it feels like when anger and anxiety creep in? You're being controlled. But you must subdue it and be its master. We don't, we can't give into it because if we let anger rule, it becomes the master. Sin becomes the master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Maniac manger. It's a blend of all these, but really the loud part is the maniac anger. You may, uh, I mean, you can probably think of all the, your own examples. This may be something, uh, maybe you're not the guy that goes out and gets in a bar fight. Maybe you're the mom that's had it at her wit's end and is screaming at her kid and throwing stuff around the house and saying things they shouldn't say in front of their kid. Maybe it's, like I said earlier, because your kid almost gets hit by a car, you about yank their arm off and then run them down the riot sheet and say all of these hurtful things. It's explosive. It's this thing that just kind of comes out. Can any of you relate to this a little bit? one way, shape, or another? Think this is godly? No. It's a sin against God. The moper. It's characterized by fretting, self-pity, and or depression. Uh, depression, depression and anger are very often linked together. Biblical example would be the prodigal son's brother. You remember uh, the prodigal son went out and lived all worldly, then he came home and his dad had this big party for him, like, oh, my son is home. I'm so glad. And how did his brother react? Right here. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. All that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Think that guy's angry? Scripture right there says he's angry. Did he explode? Did he flip out? Did he shoot somebody? Did he strangle anyone? No, but he's angry. Psalm 37 and Psalm 73, I'd encourage you to read both of those. Psalm 37, it talks about the things that are going on, and I'm not going to read it now because of time. It talks about the things going on in our world right now. It talks about things that are going on in the world then. And the person's response is to fret and to be angry, especially verses 1 through 9. Isn't that our response a lot of time to what's going on in society? Next is the monitor, characterized by what I call low-grade bitterness, rehashing wrong past that were thought to be resolved lack of forgiveness can any of you relate to this you think that you think the moper is godly you think that's honoring to god you think that's sin against him yeah 
You may think, well, I don't blow up. I don't have an anger problem. I just mope. That's what I do. I turn it all inward. I stuff the beach ball way down. I keep pushing the beach ball down. That's not godly. The monitor who's keeping track of things. We probably all do this in one degree or another. I know it happens in marriage often. We forgive me for this. Yes, I forgive you for it. Two days later, you're like, ah, you're like, I thought you forgave me for that. I do forgive you, but I didn't know you're going to keep doing it over and over and over. Right? The monitor. That's one more. You did it again. You did it again. And so there's this lack of forgiveness, rehashing the past wrongs. You got this listing. It's like, and I'm guilty of this sometimes too. It's like you did that and you did that and you did that. Obviously, you don't care. Right? No, but so uh, Absalom and Amnon. So uh, I'm going to read this. Second Samuel. 13, where am I? 2 Samuel 13, 21 to 29. So what happened is Amnon raped uh, Absalom's sister and Tamar. And so Absalom is holding on to this. He's got this low-grade bitterness that goes and goes and goes. And then he ends up going maniac, but it starts out as a monitor. He's hanging on to this low-grade thing. He has not Forgiven or worked through it in a godly way. Uh, 21 to 29 says, King David heard these things and he was very angry. So this is one of King David's sons. And these are two brothers, Absalom and Amnon. Amnon raped one of the sisters, Tamar. Tamar, And Absalom is mad. He said, Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. So he kind of just kind of kept being cordial. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears in Baal, Hazor, which is near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons. Absalom came to the king and said, kindly note, your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But king said to Absalom, no, my son, let us not go now. We will be a burden to you. And then he urged him, uh, but he wouldn't go. And he blessed him. Then Absalom said, Dad, if you can't go, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him. So Amnon and all the king's sons went with them. Now Absalom had commanded his servants saying, watch now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. But do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you be courageous and valiant? So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. And then he thought all the brothers were dead, but it wasn't all the brothers. It was just Amnon. So for two years, he sits on this. He just sits on it, sits on it, stewing, boiling. And then he doesn't even do the killing himself. He has somebody else do the killing for him. So the monitor, keeping track. Colossians 3.19, do any men here know what that says? Do, it says, Love your wives and do not be embittered towards them. Love your wives and do not be embittered towards them. That goes for spouses. That can happen in a marriage, can it? Low-grade anger. It's just there. The mole, characterized by denial, lying, leaking, lying, hurting, substitutes, and or manipulation. A biblical example would be the Pharisees. Uh, you can read these passages later. You can jot them down if you want. But isn't that what the Pharisees did? 
The mole typically doesn't want to look bad. The mole typically doesn't want to look bad in front of anybody. And so they figure out ways to kind of have this covert anger. They're the people that have these little cute little ways and they're the passive aggressive people or they're the people that take out the substitute. They're, here would be a mole. You're, uh, you're at work, your boss makes you angry. Uh, there's no way you're gonna smart off to the boss because you can't afford to lose your job. And then you get home and it's like, I'm flipping out at my kids, I'm flipping out at my wife, uh, the TV, I can't believe our TV doesn't work after all this time. You're ripping up the bills because I thought we had this one taken care of. And you just create this storm in the house. But at work, everyone's like, he's the nicest guy, right? Or even the mole would be this person, the person who went postal. You see it on the news all the time. He was the nicest guy. He always said hi to us. And then all of a sudden, pop goes the weasel over here. Is this honoring to God to be a mole and try and look good and put it all together? Why are you so mad? I'm not mad. You seem mad. I'm not mad. You're acting mad. I'm not, man. I'm not. Then you go home and you're mad. Can anyone relate to this? Yeah. A couple quick things. We'll, we'll, I'm just going to skim through this and then we'll, uh, I'm not going to spend time. We'll come back and cover this next week. Some of the roots of anger are fear. These were mentioned earlier by you guys. Fear, it's an angry response. We have an angry response to real or perceived lack of control. Sorry. Lack of control, right? My daughter almost gets hit by a car. What's wrong with you? I feel my immediate reaction is anger, right? You're going to get to work early. You've been trying, you, the boss told you, I want you in a little bit early. You're going to get to work early. And then all of a sudden, the road's backed up. And all of a sudden, your blood's boiling. You're pounding the steering wheel. You're trying, you have this, you can't control the freeway, but you're angry. So we need to learn how to handle those things righteously. Hurt to a real or perceived wrong, how we respond to a real or perceived wrong. Somebody lies about you, somebody lies to you, the things going on in this world, somebody hurts you, your family, your friends. Frustration, an anger response to real or perceived unmet expectations. You come home, I expect when I walk through that door, Carly's gonna give me a big kiss on the cheek, Evie's gonna show me all the sweet notes she made for me. They're going to tell me how awesome I am. It's going to be a night of putting the feet up on the recliner. Favorite dinner. That's what I thought it was going to be. They come home and Carly's like, we got this bill. And I don't know, you, you didn't pick up the stuff I asked you to pick up. And I thought you were going to remember to do this. And Evie, Evie's over here, hasn't cleaned her room after I told her in the morning. I had this expectation and pretty soon I'm. Right. Can anyone relate to that? Just the pastor. Insecurity. An angry response to a real or perceived attack on one's image or reputation. You feel like you're not getting the respect you deserve, right? Someone makes fun of you. This was one that would set my dad off bad. And he imagined it a lot of times. Sometimes he wasn't, but he'd be like, if he thought somebody was laughing at him, he would go nuts. If he thought somebody was laughing at him and no one would laugh at him to his face, but if he thought someone was laughing at him behind his back and he just even misunderstood it, he would go nuts. 
So really at the root of all this, it's selfish response because things are not going my way. I think you said that. It's all about like, things aren't going my way. That's sinful. So let's wrap up here for today. First, we need to see and acknowledge that the roots of our ungodly anger, as well as how it's handled is a sin against God. When I am boiling angry because it's all about me and my way, and it's not working out, that is something internal. I'm not lined up with God correctly. I'm making it all about me. It's selfishness. It's sin. So the reasons I get angry may be sinful. I need to be able to recognize that. Why am I angry here? Is it all selfish and sinful? How we handle it can be sinful. It may be something that really happened that's bad uh, and genuinely uh, uh, an injustice, and I can handle it righteously or unrighteously. I could go out and play vigilante. Also, we need to realize that Christ died on the cross to provide us with forgiveness for our anger. We can have forgiveness ongoingly if we mess up even as we walk in this and try and do it. And he has died on the cross and rose again so that we could be set free from the bondage of anger. And he's provided us with every single thing we need to be set free. Remember, we're supposed to look more like Christ, and Christ perfectly displays the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We can look like that through the work of God and the Holy Spirit. So, again, we're just beginning to, to look at this subject the point I want to make clear today is if we are dealing, if you deal with an anger issue or if you have or are mishandling anger, we'll talk about righteous anger next week and how to handle it. But if you're dealing with that incorrectly, make, it, make sure you realize that you handle it here first with God. And you begin to acknowledge that, confess that, seek forgiveness, and look to him to help you do that right. All right. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your son. We thank you that we can have freedom. I thank you for the freedom, the uh, life you've given me. I want to grow closer to you and more into the image of your son. I thank you for our time here together. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.